Well, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Jacob Arjon, and I, alongside my amazing wife, Tiffany, help lead the college ministry here at Lifeway, and we're very happy to be here. It's been a cool couple weeks. School just started up for our schools, which include USC and Cal State LA, and PCC and ELAC. And I feel the need to probably continue a tradition for all the campus ministers who have been here at Lifeway, and say that yesterday was college football. And USD won, amen, so there you go. Came in late, fourth quarter won the game, so fight on. A win's a win, there you go. Well, I'm very happy to be speaking with y'all this morning, and uh, right now, as a church, we're not going through a theme, but the campus ministry is actually going through a theme for the entire fall semester, so I want to bring the church along with that, and the theme is called Legacy. And this past midweek, we kind of introduced this theme of legacy, and we talked about, okay, what is legacy? Well, legacy is what you leave behind. It's something that is you pass on to someone else. And really, it's when you actually pass this life and, and move on to the next, is how people will, will remember you by. It's what people rem- remember you by. And so at midweek this, this past Wednesday, we talked actually about how Fun fact, you don't actually have to wait till you die to have a legacy, but you can start creating one now. And actually, legacies are formed whenever you go from one place to the next. And so whenever you move on to a different chapter in your life, you leave behind a legacy. Whether that's school, or workplace, or a neighborhood, or a state, the next chapter, the actions you lived at that certain time is what carries over and people remember you by those things. And sometimes we live good legacies, sometimes not so good. I always like um, asking people how high school was for them and what type of legacy you left behind in high school. And all we have to do is look at our high school yearbooks and see what, what was put down there. What are the stories that people said of you? What are, what are they talking about? Because that was your high school legacy. Right. And some of us want to move beyond that, and uh, maybe some of us want to go back there, but most of us probably want to be known for more than just what we did in high school. Yeah. Yeah. There's some teens there'll be more to life in high school, by the way, guys. There's, there's more coming. And so the cool thing is that us as Christians and us who are learning more about God, we have a great person to follow to ensure that we can live, leave a great legacy in our lives. And that man is Jesus. And so this morning, I would love to talk to you guys about the legacy of Jesus. And that's the title for my lesson this morning. And what a legacy that is. I mean, Jesus Christ, one man who lived 2,000 years ago, is the same man we're here today talking about. And not just us, but thousands and thousands and thousands of church services are going on right now talking about Jesus. And not just talking about him, but worshiping him. And proclaim that He is the Lord and our Savior. And devoting their lives to following this man. He's left an incredible legacy. And I want to talk about it this morning. And not in a holistic way because talking about the whole legacy of Christ would take a long time. I just want to take one little snapshot of His legacy. Because there's a great passage in the Bible. In Luke chapter 24. That talks about what people said about Jesus right after He died. And that's going to be a cool thing to look at, because legacy, again, is how people remember you. So I want to look at, look at this story here about two men that talked about Jesus after they assumed he was dead and wouldn't come back. So the context here in Luke 24, you guys can all turn here, is that Jesus has resurrected. 
That starts in the beginning of chapter 24. Jesus comes alive. He was in the tomb for three days, but he, he is alive. He is risen. Uh, but people don't really know that. All they know is there's an empty tomb. And these women came to find him, and they couldn't find him. There's just an empty tomb, no one in it. And so these women went out and told all the disciples, all the followers of Jesus, about the tomb's empty. Where, where is the body at? And they don't know. And there is, it's by far the story of the day. All in Jerusalem, people are talking about it. And so I want to read the story of these two men who walk along this road, and they're talking about Jesus. I want to see what happens here. Okay. So Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Now that same day, two of them, the two disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Wow, okay. This is an amazing story. So we got these two guys to walking along this road. And they were talking about all these events, about Jesus and how he's gone. No one knows where he's at. And then Jesus himself comes up and just joins in the conversation. But he's disguised. They don't know who he is. And how that happens, I'm not really sure. Maybe Jesus grew a beard. He was bearded Jesus. Maybe he was old man Jesus. I don't know. But whatever way, the, those two guys, they didn't know that that was Jesus with them. So this is really cool for Jesus because now he gets to kind of be like a fly on the wall. And just hear, what are people saying about me? You know, I died. They can't find me. What, what, uh, what do these guys think about me? Very much like in the movies when someone dies and they come back as a ghost and they get to hear from their family and friends what they think about them. This is Jesus right now. He gets to hear what these guys thought about him. And they don't know it's him. So let's see what happens. Luke 24. Continuing on verse 17. Jesus, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still. Their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these, in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. So Jesus asked them, okay, what's, the, what's the commotion? What are you guys talking about? And these guys are like, really? <laughs> How do you not know? Are you the only person in all Jerusalem? Jerusalem's a big city. Are you the only person who doesn't know about this Jesus guy and all that he has done? And they go on from verse 19 to verse 24 just talking about all these events. How he came, he was powerful, but the people crucified him. And he's been dead in three days. And what is more, he is risen. And in addition to the woman, they, they, they can't find him. They think that maybe he's alive, but we don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a hot story. It's hot news. So Jesus was pretty famous, and the people were, were definitely talking about him. That's, we see his legacy. He was a well-known man. That's one thing we can see. We also see that they were downcast. They were sad. These disciples were sad that Jesus was, was dead and missing in their, in their thoughts. But I want to key in on the words they used to describe Jesus, because that's how they remembered him. That was his legacy. So back in verse 19, they said about Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. So they remembered Jesus as a prophet. Now, yes, that's no son of God. They'll get that faith pretty soon here. But still, prophets, no, no schmuck. I mean, that's, that's saying that you are someone chosen from God and God speaks through you. 
That's a pretty incredible legacy to have. These guys thought he was a prophet. That's unique and pretty powerful. And they go on and say he did all these great things. He was powerful. Not just in speech and the way he spoke and the way he preached, but also in his deeds. He healed people. He did all these miracles. These people believed that this man was powerful before God and of people. And the two greatest things we remember about Jesus was those two things. Was his great love for God and his great love for people. And so on my lesson this morning about the legacy of Jesus, I want to talk about those two things. Christ's love for God and love for people. Because if we want to have the legacy of Christ, we need to do those things. Love God and his love for people. So let's continue on here. Because the cool thing is we get to see... His legacy. We don't have to turn a couple of pages back to see his life. We actually get to pick up in this story, in his resurrected life, and see Jesus continue to live out his legacy here. Starting with first loving God. So let's read on. First point is love for God. Let's see how this resurrected Jesus loves God. So Luke 24, verse 25. So after these guys go on and on about all these events that they think have transpired, Jesus replies back. And again, they still don't know that it's him. So he said to them in verse 25, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went... And to stay with them. Okay, so Jesus starts off kind of rebuking them a little bit. They're like, hey, you foolish guys. You say, I'm kind of out of the loop here. You guys don't know your Bible. You, you guys aren't in your Bible study. Let me show you, starting with the prophets and Moses, and the scriptures, and explain to you who this Jesus fellow actually is. And so Jesus launches into, into this Bible study on himself to these guys. It's pretty cool. As Jesus is like, I can tell you about this guy, Jesus. He's a cool guy. Let me, let me show you something. And he launches into this, into this amazing Bible study. And it must have been quite riveting because these guys wanted Jesus to stay. Jesus spoke from the whole day. He's like, hey, it's nighttime. Please come stay with us. They begged him to stay because Jesus was obviously a pretty good Bible studier. <laughs> but what sticks out to me very clearly is Jesus' love and reverence for God's word. Jesus loved God, and he seized this opportunity to speak about God's word. And this passage actually challenges me pretty hardcore as a minister, because back then they did not have the New Testaments. So Jesus is using these Old Testament scrolls, and able to prove himself that he is the Son of God and the Messiah, just through these Old Testament prophecies. That sounds pretty challenging to me. I'm not sure if I can do that. Just show and study the Bible with people and show them what it means to know God and be a Christian just through the Old Testament. But that's what Jesus did. That might be a fun little Bible study for all of us. Uh, Figure out how to do that and do the Jesus Bible study on Jesus. What he did in Luke 24. But this is something that Jesus had, his love for God. He had this with him since he was young. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. I'll quickly read a little story here about how Jesus... This love he had for God's word didn't start then and there at his resurrected life. It actually started when he was very, very young. At actually just 12 years old. So Luke chapter 2, the story here is that his parents take him to Jerusalem. 
And on the way back, they, they're gone for about three days. They're, they left Jerusalem. And they realize, oh, wow, we, where's our boy at? We left, we left Jesus. Okay. And so they freak out and they go back to Jerusalem to try to find him because they, they must have left him there in the city. And again, Jesus is 12, so they're probably freaking out. Like, what is, where's our little son got himself into? He might be freaking out. He might be worried. He might be missing us. Well, let's see where they find Jesus. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 46, it says, After three days they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. So Jesus, this 12-year-old boy, spent three days without his parents, without a care in the world, in the temple courts, reading the Bible, talking to these religious teachers. Just, he's just chilling there. That's, that's where he wants to be. Without a care in the world. I know most 12-year-olds, or at least most young kids, would freak out for a minute if they got left in the grocery store. Like, where's mom and dad? I know for me, I've had those moments. Like, I start spazzing out. This... Jesus, as a young boy, was totally excited and happy just to be in the temple courts learning and talking about God. Jesus had this great love for God, starting from the very beginning of his life. And it translated over to his adult years and why he was so excited about being able to teach these two disciples on this road and just pull out those scrolls and start teaching them about the Bible. This is the legacy that Jesus had. He had this great love and reverence for God. How do we match up with Jesus' love for God? How is our personal Bible study? How is our prayer life? How is our reverence and obedience to God's commands? How much do we talk about God? Jesus could not wait to talk about these scriptures. Oh, you guys don't know? Let me pull this stuff out. Old Testament, baby. I like this stuff. Let's get into it. And, but where do we stand in that? Are we seizing those opportunities? Jesus sees every opportunity he could have to talk about God and talk about how great God was and he gave him all the glory and I think for some of us many of us here are really good hearted devoted Christians who do a lot of great Christian like things and we're devoted to God but sometimes we fail to seize the opportunities at hand to talk about our love for God and because when you love something we should talk about it right you know if you love your, your kids you talk about your kids Love your spouse, you talk about your spouse. Your job, you talk about your job. Whether that's sports or movies or TV shows or video games or favorite book, we talk about the things we love. Do we talk about our love for God? Do we seize those opportunities when they come their way? You know, I know sometimes when I reflect on my life, I don't think it's as much me seizing those opportunities as much as it's just me being honest with who I am to people. I'll give you guys an example. We are all here at church right now. And many of us come to church pretty much every week. Yeah. A great job, guys. It's good. It's good to be at church with God's people. That's a good thing. Yeah. And I know for me, a pretty common question you get asked pretty much every Monday is, how was your weekend? Yeah. What did you do this past weekend? Right. And our answers tend to vary. A lot of us just say we had a chill weekend at home. We just relaxed with the family. Maybe caught a movie to the theaters. I know football season's back up, so many of us would say that we caught the game or games. And that's just what we did for the weekend. We just watched football. And I, for sure, if you did something exciting, like you went out of town, you went on a vacation, for sure, you're going to say that right away. You won't even ask, wait for the question. You're just say, hey, guess what I did this weekend? And you're going to start talking about this great trip you went on with your family. 
and the getaway you had. But church is also something we do every single weekend. When people ask us, how is our weekend? Do we talk about church? A part of that just being honest with people. You ask, so I'm going to tell you. There are so many opportunities to talk about God. People ask, how was your morning? And many of us read the Bible and pray in the morning. And that's pretty much all we've done. Besides wake up and shower and eat food. Do we talk about the, our breakfast, our great breakfast we have, before we talk about the Bible and about our prayer life with God? A lot, and almost all the time people ask, what are your plans for tonight? And many of us at nighttime, we spend time to fellowship with one another. And we do these cool events with fellow, my, fellow Christians. And we have these great times and Wednesday nights and Friday nights plans. Do we talk about those things? You know, there are so many opportunities that we have to talk about God. There's too many to count. And I know that Jesus always, always had the courage to talk about those things. Do we also have the courage to talk about how great our love for God is? That God is pretty much in all aspects of my life. And I'm excited to talk about my life in that way. I know for me, I've been on both sides of the coin there. When it's like sometimes I choose to just be honest with people and tell them what I truly did that day. And sometimes I choose not to, and I shy away from whatever reason. And I know that whenever I shrink back from telling people about my love for God, um, I just feel really bad. I feel just like a coward. And that I don't truly love God. I'm not, my love for God is not great enough for me to talk about it, apparently. Because that's what I'm telling myself and telling the people I, I interact with. Um, my wife and I recently got married uh, this past January. So seven months strong, and uh, that's great. And I'm feeling the burn. That's good stuff. And uh, being married has been great. But there's times where I am ashamed of how I've led my wife spiritually and myself spiritually in her presence. I know that um, this past December, before we got married, we had the time with the caterer, so we got the time to taste the food. That was a lot of fun. I was excited about tasting the food for the reception. So that was like, man, wedding stuff is cool. So I get, we get free tasting of the food. But I'm at the caterers, and I'm feeling pretty insecure. I'm like, I'm 22 years old. I don't have a full-time job. A lot of insecurities are in my head as I'm getting together with me and Tiffany and the head wedding coordinator, planner, caterer guy. His name is Kevin. And so we start talking, and Kevin just kind of does this thing. He knows his stuff. And again, even that's an insecurity because I'm like, my level of knowledge of wedding etiquette is not up there. So I'm just going to... Be quiet there, sit kind of in the corner, have Kevin and Tiff talk and everything. And, but then the food comes. And I want, and I had this urge to want to interrupt this guy, Kevin, and say, hey, can we, can we pray for the food? I would love to do that. But this guy, Kevin's on a roll. And he just keeps talking about wedding event, wedding plan, this plan, this plan. And I feel a little insecure and intimidated. I, I, I don't. The food comes and we just eat. We don't pray. And the entire time, I just felt just, just sad, discouraged. And it wasn't just that one moment. I felt like the entire time through this caring company, I don't think I shared my faith once with that Kevin guy or anyone else in the whole company. Not once. They helped plan our wedding. I didn't talk to them once about church, about my relationship with God, anything at all. Maybe tips did, because tips great. But I, I didn't have the boldness to talk to them at all. And I was writing this lesson last night, and they were just eating me up. So I'm like, you know what, Jake? This ends now. I'm going to text this guy right now. So last night, like probably midnight over there, I just shot him a text. This is what I said. I'm going to pull it up here. Say, hey, Kevin, this is Jacob Ardron 
from your January 28th wedding. This guy does a lot of weddings, so I'll help him out there. <laughs> this past year. Hope you're doing well. I just wanted to thank you again for all the great work you and your team did on that day. I also wanted to say that if you ever want to come to church sometime on a Sunday or Wednesday night, please let me know. Love it connects you with some of my friends out there. Sent. I'm not sure if you read it, but I sent it. And God will do something with it. I don't know. So church, I want to be courageous for my love for God. I don't want to shy away because Jesus didn't shy away. He loved God. He wanted to talk about God all the time. Church, I pray that we can also have that same love. Amen. Amen? So Jesus was bold for his love for God and in his love for people. He sees every opportunity to love for people. Let's go back to the story in Luke 24. So Luke 24, verse 30, they go into the house and they're having this time. And let's read what happens when they get there. So Luke 24, verse 30, is when he was at the table with them, he took bread gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sights. We'll go back to that again. That was pretty crazy. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them, assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen. So now he's Lord. Amen. The Lord has risen. And has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Okay, so they head into this house. Jesus gets the bread. He breaks it, and they also recognize him. I'm not sure how. Maybe the beard fell. I don't know. But they, they recognize Jesus, and then he disappears. Jesus vanished from sight. This is like the most underrated miracle of all time. <laughs> guys, did you guys catch that? Jesus disappeared. Like, he was there, then he wasn't. Like, now you see me, now you don't. Jesus just vanished. That's incredible. The Bible's so cool. Read the Bible, amen? So, so, they, so they go. So they, disappear. they recognize Jesus, and they go and tell these people, like, what, what had happened. Because it was an incredible story. Jesus was there, then he vanished. But I want to talk about... What led them to recognize Jesus? Let's go back to verse 30 and verse 35. Verse 30, it says, When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And verse 35 says, Then the two told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. The disciples were able to clearly see Jesus when they saw him serve the bread. Service is how Jesus was remembered. He was recognized when he started serving. Because his legacy for loving and serving people is that great and that memorable. This wasn't Jesus' home. He was their guest. He was invited over, but he's the one who got there, found the food, and began serving it. And yes, and of course, the bread is an analogy to the Last Supper, because the bread represents his body, which is broken for us on the cross. But even that, another analogy to the greatest act of service of all time. Jesus gave his body for us. He died for us. That is incredible service. Jesus was remembered by his service for his people. And I want to go back to Luke 22 and just read the the words he used to describe the bread and the wine at that time. Because they really are just remarkable words. So Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 19. This is during the Last Supper, during this last time before he goes on the cross. 
getting dinner with the guys. It says in verse 19, And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus says, hey, this, is, this bread represents my body. And I give that for you. And then this next part totally gets me. He says, and this wine represents my blood, which I'm about to pour out for you. And he does. He goes through all this pain, all this suffering, and this is the most incredible act of service. And this was Jesus' legacy. He gave his life up for us. And, I, and not just that, I want to quickly read for you guys just Jesus' last 24 hours before he left. Because it was full of service. And you guys take notes on the scriptures off in the slideshow. But um, it starts off, last supper, he washes his disciples' feet. That's a lot of service right there. He went down and washed his friends' feet. And then he served them the bread and wine. So he gave them food to eat. And then he took a moment to pray for his disciples. And then he prayed for all the fellow believers, all the future believers in the whole world. So he prayed for us. Jesus' last 24 hours, he prayed for us in 2017. And then he went to God in the garden and prayed to him. And then he gets arrested. And I can't believe this. He got arrested by these soldiers... One of the soldiers' ears get cut off, and he heals the guy's ear. Like, that guy who was arresting Jesus, he's like, I know you're arresting me, hold on, bro. Let me heal you up. Okay, cool. Alright, now take me. Like, who does that? That's incredible. His love for people is amazing. And then he goes on the cross. He endures the mocking and the beating in silence without defense. And then he goes on the cross to die for the sin of mankind. And for anyone, it ends there. I'm on the cross. I'm dying. I'm done loving people. But no, Jesus keeps on going as He's on the cross. He continues to love people. It is crazy. His legacy of love is insane. On the cross, He provides for His mother. He's like, oh, I forgot. My mom doesn't have a place to live. Okay. Hey, John, take care of my mom. Cool. You guys got that? Sweet. I'll keep hanging here. Great. And then He tells, he asks God to forgive the people who, who are crucifying Him. He's in pain and suffering. Yes, God, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And then he ends it right before he dies. He says, oh, hey, buddy, come with me. I want to take you with me to heaven. He tells the thief next to me, hey, I'm going to save you as well. Who does that? He is dying, and he's still giving and serving people. I read Jesus' story and his legacy, and I am so convicted And I feel like I fall so short from his standard of love for people. And I don't even have to touch the cross to feel like I fall short. That's a whole other ballgame there. But even in his service of people, I feel like I'm so far behind. Not just from Christ, but from the people that that surround me in my life. I feel like I'm just, it's a glaring weakness of mine. I'm just not a good servant. I was very lucky to grow up with an amazing mom who just loved to serve people my mom was incredible. She's a great cook, great baker, but more than anything, she's an incredible host. And you walk into the R's around home and you just feel loved and taken care of. And lucky me, I, I married quite, quite up and I married an amazing woman who also had the same traits that my mom showed, just loving people. Amen. They walk in, my wife greets them, they feel at home. 
Faithful greeted. Me, on the other hand, man, Jake, I, I got to work on this. A little quick story. This past week, I had uh, one of the students over just for time at my place. And we were sitting down just um, talking a little bit. And um, I'm sipping away on my cold glass of water because I got water. And about five minutes in, he's like, hey, Jake, could I get a glass of water? And the first thing I do, I kid you not, is look around for Tiff. I'm being honest, guys. I'm being honest. I'm like, where's Tiff at? Because she's usually so good at offering anyone who comes in water. I think the first thing she does. So where's my wife at? And I was actually somewhat disappointed in her for not doing that. And then I realized she wasn't even home. She wasn't there. And then, so I had to get up and get this man a water. And I know that it's a little embarrassing and there's some comedic aspects of that, but I look back at my reaction and I'm, I'm disappointed in myself. I was like, come on, Jake. Why is Tiffany the one always offering service? Why can't you ask people if they want water? Why can't you also do some cooking and cleaning and laundry and all this stuff? Why, why, why is it Tiffany, Jake? I don't know. I need to start really loving my students and my friends and my family that come in and want to serve them. And love and serve my wife. I am falling so short in this area. Not just in just showing the love of Christ, but even showing the love of my peers. There are so many things that I need to work on. And I hope you see some things that you need to work on as well. Amen. And really hearing and just reading about this legacy of love that Jesus shows to God and to people, it's challenging. But as a faithful follower of Christ, which I want to be, I want to be a faithful follower of Christ. I need to have this add to that, okay, it's inspiring, it's convicting, but I need to live out his legacy. Because I'm his follower. So his legacy needs to carry on through me. So we need to have the same love for God and love for people that Jesus had and live out his legacy. I want to close by reading um, one of my favorite passages. Let's go to James 2. James chapter 2. This is one of my go-to passages when I was first becoming a Christian. So I want to read it the first way I read it back then. And so, the NIV 1984. I'm not that old, but anyways. Alright, so James 2 verse 17 says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. I love this scripture so much. I hope you guys do as well. It really shows that truly being a Christian has very, very little to do with your belief in God. And pretty much everything to do with your actually following Christ and doing what He did. Because as the scripture points out, if faith alone is what God used to measure our spirituality, then no one would be a better Christian than Satan himself. Because no one's going to have better faith than Satan, right? right. He's seen God. He's, he was one of God's angels. Right. He, and now he's fighting and, and waging a war against God. So what's the difference between us and Satan? Well, it's our faith with our deeds. Wow. It's us loving God and loving people. 
and actually showing that we truly are a follower of Christ. And I know we can read this story and hear this, and some of us in this room probably aren't Christians or identify ourselves as Christians. So we can read this story and be like, wow, this standard here is really high. You know, and his bar is set so up there. What's the point of me even trying? When his standard and his legacy is so great. But that's the point. His legacy is so great. Why would we not want to be a part of his legacy? It's inspiring and outright just incredible. Jesus, what he did for God and people is incredible. We should want to be a part of his legacy. And just try our best because it was lasting. And it made a tremendous impact on this world and still does to this day. I want to close with some quotes. This first one's from uh, Napoleon Bonaparte. Bonaparte, And he's a a dictator and was a, a conqueror of many nations at one time. And this is his quote on the legacy of Jesus. He says, I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, and Charlemagne, and I have founded empires. But on what did we rest the creation of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. Jesus' legacy is immense, incredible, and powerful. Jesus, without a doubt, showed the whole world his faith with his deeds. Through his love for God and his love for people. And it had an incredible effect on humanity. And now it's up to us to carry on the torch. And carry his legacy of love to the next generation, to this world right now. And I know for me, I just, I need to just start doing stuff, church. I, I just need to start just making things happen. I want to talk more about my times with God. If I read something in the Bible, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about my times in the, in the morning with God. I want to, anytime I get together with people, we are praying. That's going to happen. I want to be courageous. We are praying together for our food. That's going, and I'm going to be more serving. Amen, campus ministry. I'm going to serve you guys. Give you guys some more. That's going to happen. And guys, get creative. Start just doing things that show our love for God and people. And if you guys have creative ideas, please tell me. I want to grow in this. I want to have more of a legacy that identifies myself with Christ. And with that, I want to close on this last quote on legacy that I found. It says, carve your names on hearts, not tombstones. A legacy is etched into the mind of others and the stories they tell about you. And I hope from this lesson this morning that we could really want to not just carve our names on the hearts of people, but that when people remember us, they remember Jesus. Let us love God and love people. And their incredible legacy that Jesus left will continue on in us. Amen? Amen? I love you guys.